the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. The Bible often uses questions to emphasise points. In this study, we look at the last question Jesus asked before his ascension and the first question in the New Testament chronologically. Amen. So the last uh, few weeks, starting a week last Sunday, we looked at uh, the, the questions. Um, and of course, questions tell us about the person asking the question, of course, their character, what they're after, what they're looking for. And of course, uh, ultimately, it tells us about the person whom the, the question's been asked, um, what they know, what they understand, again, where their heart is, where their motives are, what, what they're trusting, and all those things. And we looked at the Sunday morning about the first questions, Again, the, the principle of first mention in um, in uh, Genesis. First mention, that's where we, we, we get whatever we want to find the subject or topic or person. First mention, especially in Genesis, that's where we get a lot of our basic teaching from of many, many things. And we looked at that. First question was, who by Satan? Do you, did God actually say so we see straight away his character. He's a sower of deception, seduction, and, and all those things. And of course, then we see also the man's heart. Man's heart is prone to wander, prone to stray, prone to doubt, as we look at it in a moment. Um, so that, that's where we're, and then of course, where we see God's, God coming into the picture. First question to God, where are you? you see the heart of God, the, the heart that God seeks, that longs, desires, intimacy. He will go out of his way to pursue it. And of course, he went to the cross to make sure it was possible. And uh, then in the in last uh, Sunday night, Sunday night before, we looked at Jesus' questions. And of course, we said Jesus asked uh, over 300 questions. Um, and uh, so you like questions. And we said about Job last week, didn't we? When God spoke to Job, um, he said, stand up like a man, Job. Let me have a chat to you. And I just only quickly went through the four chapters there that God is speaking at least 90 questions. He asked Job, and uh, like mastermind. And uh, Job said, Lord, I've had enough. He said, my ears have heard about you, but now my eyes have seen. And he repented in dust and ashes, didn't he? Because he saw the glory of God. He saw the majesty, just a glimpse of it. And uh, last uh, Thursday, we didn't tape it, but we looked at um, the first questions. Um, uh, first question the man asked, which again reveals the heart of man. We all already said the heart of man is prone to doubt and to be seduced and to be led astray. But that first question the man asked, am I my brother's keeper? And of course, that again tells us where our heart is. Our heart naturally is selfish, looking out for me, I, myself. But the Bible is very clear, we are our brother's keeper. And in the church, that's why the church is so vital. And people, when they go away from church, they're in trouble straight away because the church is there to be our brother's keeper, to go out of our way, to see how someone is and, and, and all those things. Ah, you don't like somebody. Well, let me tell you, that's the person you need to go out of your way to go and see because that's the, the challenge. You are your brother's keeper. And, uh, of course, again, that comes down to Cain's misunderstanding, not seeing God for who he was. Because God said, where's your brother? As if God didn't know. And remember, he didn't learn from the past. See, the Bible is written for our, our, our learning. He knew the story of, of his parents. And God knew. 
And he, 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 he said, are you seen? What have you done? Where are you? And uh, he said, right, well, I, of course he lied straight away. I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And of course, when you don't really realize who God really is, we looked at that, some of those quotes, we then understand that we, we just lose the fear of the Lord, lose the, the awe of God. And then we looked at Jesus' first question, didn't we? And uh, we, we, we were, I, I was a sneaky one, that was, because um, some said it was, but it was the, when he was 12, remember? When the, the parents came and the mother, as mothers do, they've got to put a guilt trip on us, haven't they? I, we've been searching high and low and we've been grieving and we've been sorrowful because we couldn't find you. And Jesus said, why are you looking for me? Did you not know I would be here around my father's business? Which set it up to see who he was. And the last, we didn't finish this one, but this is the, and we'll get on to the questions we posed on Sunday. What was the last question that Jesus asked before he returned to heaven? And again, very, very important, isn't it? Because again, remember, as he, as he, he was, he was uh, ascended, he blessed them. So he, he started his ministry by blessing, blessed are those who meek and, and blessed the, the Beatitudes. And then he finishes with a blessing of God, the touch of God. But the question he asked was very important um, before uh, he, he returned. And we just read it there in Luke uh, 24, verse 38. Why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your mind? And isn't that amazing that those, those are the things that really grab a hold of us? Um, depending again, again on our personality, I suppose, but um, troubled, anxious, worry, oh, don't they grip a hold of us sometimes? Um, and the Bible says very clearly, doesn't it? Those will rob us of um, our joy. And uh, the word will be choked by that, that, that uh, trouble and anxiety. But the sower parable is very clear. The thorns, cares of the world, lust, you know, the greed of life and uh, want and do for other things, but the, the cares of this world. Um, so why are you troubled? So he knew, knew, our, knew our hearts are prone to that and doubt again. So the first question Satan asked, all about doubt. And the last thing Jesus tells us, Watch your heart that you won't doubt. But let's just look at the, 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 the troubled part a little bit. Um, let's read the first verse. 2 uh, Corinthians 1, 8 to 11. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant for our trouble which came unto us in Asia, that we were pressed out of all measure, about strength in so much that we despaired even for life. But we have this sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivereth us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust, and he will yet deliver us. Ye also help him together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given unto him by many on our behalf. So a lot going on there, but Paul is being open and honest, isn't he? He said, look, we, you heard about our trouble, but let me just tell you. Let me just tell you how we felt in that trouble. He said we despaired of life. That's a pretty, pretty bold statement, isn't it? He was so uh, weighed down by the pressure. He said, "I've had enough, Lord." He was doing it in Elijah, wouldn't he? Take me home, Lord. But you see, in and through that, what did he learn? I learned to trust in the Lord fully. Because you think it's about Paul. He was capable, wasn't he? He was very capable, so he could, he could easily trust in his own intellect, 
his own ability, but God had to bring him to a place where he had to rely upon him and him alone. But he also says there the importance of praying for one another. Because he said, you help me by praying for me. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We can pray for and lift each other and protect each other. But ultimately, those troubles, the Bible says, in this world you will not have troubles. Bless the Lord. Oh, I'm going to preach that. No, no. <laughs> Some do, but that's not what he said. You will have troubles, but be, oh, be, be peace. Peace I give to you. But don't worry. I've overcome the world and I'm with you. So that's why he said we have learned to rely on him. Learn to rely on him. Uh, Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thankfully, God, um, it, it, Jesus doesn't say, do not do something without giving us the antidote for it, didn't he? Um, he tells us that worry is, dis- is, is ultimately distrust of, of the Father. If you look at uh, Matthew, he says, do not be, don't worry. Um, and of course, he says very clearly, it's, um, it's not just unnecessary, it's unfruitful, we said before, unbecoming. Why is it unbecoming? Because we're children of the living God. Unnecessary because he's Father. And, and he just takes just different things. Look at the birds there. Look at the lilies of the valley. Just look at those things. Ah, don't think I'd look after those. If I can look after those, I can certainly look after you, he says. It, the trouble is we worry, we distrust the Father. Um, and that's what the devil always wants us to distrust God, didn't he? Remember back it, it, again, first question, did God actually say... God does not want you to do, because when you do, you'll, he'll know you'll become like him. See, he undermined God's word, and when you undermine God's word, you undermine his character. Because remember we said before, you're only as good as your word, your character. He undermines God's character. And of course, we have that today, don't we? Oh, how can there be a God with so much difficulty and problems and sickness and, and all that kind of undermining God's uh, character? And I say to him, wait a minute, no, you can't believe there's no God and then blame him for stuff. You, you've got to be either way. So that's two different things there now. Um, distract, of course, worries distract us, don't they? They really do. And some of us sometimes have been up all night worrying about something. And uh, as we've said many times in that, uh, worrying is like a rocking chair, gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. And um, that's so true, isn't it? Um, and and dist- it distracts us. And ultimately, the Bible says he destroys the word of God. And of course, the antidote, he says, look, see, open your eyes to what God has done. Then he says, seek, doesn't he? Seek first the kingdom. It's not just seeing, it's actually setting our hearts then. It's setting our will, our mind. Because you can grab all of your mind and say, right, I've had enough of worrying about this. I worry, I worry about this. Lord, I give it into your hands. Cast your care on me for I care for you. We're good at that. But what do we do? Yeah, you take it back a bit quick, don't we? Because I, I, Lord, I want to, I want to dwell on this a bit more. I want to stew on this a bit more. Come on, Lord. Uh, so, we, is it distract? Seek, and of course, ultimately, serve. Oh, see, why? If I'm a my brother's keeper, the more we serve, the less we're concerned with me and I and I and, the, and myself. And that's what we get out and and look at, at those around. Look at the needs of those around, and and uh, forget, in a sense. Uh, deny yourself very clear isn't it so there's the worry worry troubled and uh, uh, why are you troubled why are you stirred up why are you agitated 
and, uh, and why did doubts arise in your heart? And thankfully, again, um, Jesus, it tells us in John, doesn't he? They're in, behind closed doors, but Jesus stands right in the middle. So now he's going he's, to uh, correct them, of course. But he's going to comfort them as well, because the first thing he says is, peace be with you. But then he's going to correct them. Why are you so troubled and why your doubts rise? See, he's a great comforter. He's always a great corrector, isn't he? Because you know why? He doesn't want to stay with us where we are. No, no good for us to be troubled and uh, full of doubt. No good to us. No good to anybody. So Jesus, the first antidote, of course, is the presence of God. He stands right in the middle. And, and John is very clear. He stands right in the middle. He's got to be in the middle. He's got to be right in the center. And then, of course, what does he say? See. See. Touch. Ooh, the touch of the Lord. We need it, don't we? We need the touch of the Lord. Touch me. And he said, let me, let me demonstrate. And there's got to be a demonstrate. We need, Lord, in these lands, a demonstrate. Give me a bit of food. Give me a bit of fish and honeycomb. That sounds quite nice. Talk about the mixture, you know. It's a bit of honey glaze on top of a bit of trout. Oh, never know. We'll have to try that. Uh, but he ate it. And then the Bible says, he, he brings God's word, doesn't he? He says, now, this is what the Old Testament says. So again, he brings validity to the Old Testament because he says uh, the, the law and the prophets uh, and, and, and the Psalms, this is what it says about me. And then the Bible says, he opens their minds. There's revelation. Hallelujah. So um, let's have a look. How, how about um, in the New Testament, our first question was, what is the first question in the New Testament? I suppose, I, I, again, I didn't clarify it because there's different questions in each book. But... Um, uh, in time, in time. What is the first question in time? Oh, are you there? Wendy's usually on the way. Where's Wendy on? Is it Mary? Why am I so No, there we are. Um, let's read it. Let's read it. Uh, this is the first question we find in the New Testament, um, you know, in, in the timeline. Not because obviously in Matthew, Mark, there's different first questions in those. But this is the first question of the New Testament. Luke 1. 11 to 18, sorry, yeah. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Then Zacchaeus saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacchaeus, for your prayer is good, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will Turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacchaeus said to an angel, how shall I know this? For I am old man, and my wife is well advanced in the years. 
that's right. Um, see, there, again, there's the heart of man, Zachariah there. He says, how can I be sure? This is the first question of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. How can I be sure? And it wasn't a question of um, how are you going to do this, Lord? It's actually a question is, I'm not sure this is going to happen. There was doubt. There was, un- there was doubt that didn't... Uh, of course, when we have a great thing about doubt, we can dig. That's what God wants us to do, is to dig and find the answers. But of course, this led to disbelief. Really, this doubt led to disbelief. How can this be? I'm old. Although I, I do think, as I said before, I don't think he would have said this if his wife was there. <laughs> and my wife is getting on as well. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have said that if, if, the, uh, if the wife was there. Perhaps I would have, I would have saved him. And uh, so, so we see the, 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 the doubt there. But of course, then, so then he's, he's, he's hit dumb, isn't he, for all that time. What do we see? Um, and he so said, what's the difference between uh, Zachariah and Mary? Same chapter. Listen to what she said. Uh, she says she said different. Remember again, there is a difference because she's young and he's old. Uh, he's been praying for this. Remember that he's been praying, isn't he? I've I've heard you pray, and yet when when the answer came, he said, "I'm not sure about this." Listen to what um, Mary said. How will this be? Not uh, I'm not sure. How, how will how how what do you what process are you going to use? There was there was uh, apprehension. Maybe a little bit out, but there was, there was a faith seed there. Lord, how are we going to do this? I'm still a virgin. Um, not, uh, I don't think, how can I be sure? You know, I mean, uh, there's the difference. And um, so we see the great thing about doubt arises um, because, again, our view and understanding of the Lord. What about um, Matthew 14, 28, 31? We know this very well. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on water. Come, he said. Then Peter got up out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink right out of the Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Again, we, we see the reason for doubt. Peter, why did you doubt? Because <laughs> I took my eyes off you. And I looked at the circumstances and the difficulties and the wind and the waves and you know what it doesn't matter how big the wind and the waves are if our eyes stay on Jesus we will walk upon our high hills Habakkuk says we will walk upon them we've got to go through them sometimes there's no doubt you know we want to be taken out of them well you can do that but sometimes we've got to go through them Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have I'm sure didn't really want to go into the fiery furnace but they went through it Daniel went into the lion's den I'm, I'm sure he thought, well, I know I'm getting on, as he was, but I, this is not the way I wanted to go, being ripped apart by these lions, but he went through it. So doubt arises when we look at the circumstances and we don't keep our eyes on him. This is a fantastic verse, a few verses from Romans, Romans 4. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations? According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded 
that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Yeah, that again, we see the answer, the, the antidote for doubt. Not ignoring the very facts that were before him. Of course he didn't. He knew he was dead. He knew he was, he was an old man. Yet, against human expectation, he had godly expectation. What was it based on? Not a whim, not a fancy, but upon the promise of God. You can go back to the promises. Uh, Genesis 12, and when Genesis 13, I will make you a, a nation. And then, of course, in Genesis 70, he changes his name. So every time he heard his name, that was the promise of God. Abraham, exalted father. Abraham, father of multitudes. And of course, he could have rationalized that away that he would be, you know, because he was a wealthy man. He had many servants. He could have said, well, that's, that's what it means. But that's not what God meant. And uh, God says, no, open your eyes. Look up. How many stars can you count? Naked eye, 6,000 maybe, three or more. Um, sand, sand underneath you. This will be, be your generation. This will be uh, what is coming after you. He said, this will be yours. The everlasting covenant. He based it on that. The facts were very clear. He looked at them. He observed them. But he saw them from a different perspective. God's perspective. Through God's promise. Through God's covenant. Also, don't forget, um, that is vocalized as well. He didn't waver. He didn't stagger through unbelief. Um, and of course, he, he, unbelief looks at the facts instead of the promise. But the Bible says he was strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. The power of praise and worship and prayer, it can never be underestimated, can it? Power of praise and of prayer. Paul, Titus, just a Silas, isn't it? Just being hammered, absolutely hammered. But praise and prayer through it all brought liberty and victory. The power of praise. He gave glory to God even though... Uh, his senses said this isn't going to happen of course doubt trusts our senses more than scripture we look at our circumstances instead of Christ but faith focuses and believes the Lord's promise and, and the power of God and, it, and all those things that bring bring um, <clears throat> G. Campbell Morgan uh, one of history's great preachers they say he was preaching when he was 19 years of age. But then he was attacked by many doubts about the Bible. He, he, he was obviously a great reader, and he began to read at that time um, Charles Darwin, Thomas Huxley, John Tyndall, not our Tyndall, uh, Herbert Spencer, great scientists, stroke scientists, agnostics. And uh, the more he read those books and he listened to the debates, be careful what he listened to, uh, the more Morgan began more and more perplexed. And uh, doubting what he was preaching. What did he do? He cancelled all his preaching engagements, put all the books in a cupboard and locked the door. He went to a bookstore and bought a new Bible. He said to himself, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims to be the word of God. But I am sure of this. If it be the word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind, it will bring assurance to, uh, to my soul of itself. The result the Bible found me. The Bible found me. The New Assurance, 1883, gave him the motivation for preaching and teaching ministry. From the rest of his life, he devoted to study and preaching of God's word. See, there's nothing wrong with um, apologetics. We've got some great men and women of God, but be careful. 
So you can get, the devil doesn't mind us being sidetracked. He can sidetrack us down a road where we are caught up in that. Um, and that's many of the great theological colleges. It, it's academic now and not real, is it? People say, I'm going here and going there. Be very careful where you're going. Remember our dad telling me about a, a young man from Pont years ago. I think he went to Lampet, I think, or somewhere like that. And he went full of the fire of God and he came back absolutely washed out. Nothing. Uh, they, they, he debated it all away in a, in a sense. Um, one man said, Carl Rogers, um, he was a psychologist in the US, uh, was 22 years of age when he entered a theological seminary in New York in 1924. While there, he participated in seminars organized to explore religious doubts. Rogers later said of the group, the majority of the, majority of the members in thinking their way through questions they had raised, thought themselves right out of God's work. He says, I was one of them. I was one of them. See, God is not afraid of our questions, but where do we go for answers? That's the key, isn't it? Campbell Morgan says, right, I'm coming before you, Lord. Let's, let's do it. Let's get real. Is this true? Is this real? And of course, that's the great thing about doubts. Presence of God power of God, the word of God, the purposes of God. Bless the Lord. Um, anyone else? Uh, that was the first question. But if you'd read Ma Matthew or John, any other questions, first questions that you saw? Maggie. Well, do, do you just mean any question? Well, no, first. The first question we find in the New, New Testament. Well, it was the wise men, wasn't yeah. it? Well done. Matthew, that was the first question in Matthew. Where is, he? where is he? Bless the Lord. Of course, the first question of creation is, where are you? God speaking. First question in the New Testament, where God has, uh, has, done, has gone out of his way, demonstrated, has come into the earth. Now man is seeking after. And of course, then that shows us the heart of man. Now, man is not irreligious, is he? Oh, no, no, no. He's not irreligious. Because they, whatever they find, they, they, they believe. Atheism, atheism is religion. Isn't it? it it's not something, because they believe it. They believe there's nothing. So they believe in something. See, our heart wants to believe in something. Of course, the trouble is, they don't want to believe in the God that actually says, Dave, you're accountable to me. I am the creator. And uh, that's, that's what we don't want. So we are not religious. We are seeking. Man is always seeking yet so often in the wrong place. That's why we have so many religions, so many cults. Yeah, because the heart of man is seeking. So the Bible's in that question, we see the heart of man again. Where is he? Um, sadly, people don't look for him. And uh, I was just looking on the, on the, uh, on the village website, uh, Facebook. Of course, people are seeking. So you've got yoga and meditation up there. And someone's just advertised... Um, a spiritualist in, in, down in Triowin somewhere and you want to see the people oh do you want to go to this oh yeah I'll go is there any tickets there any, any tickets for this the heart of man is seeking Lord help us to bring the gospel with authority and power to realise there's only him only him so where is he what about John uh, uh, the gospel of John uh, what's the first question there what was that why ah Let's read that. John 1. Someone's got it there. 19 to 21, I think. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, 
He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one called in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Yes. So the first question we find in John. Who are you, John? And that's a great question because it comes down to who, the question that everyone asks, who am I? Who am I? And John knew who he was. He knew who he wasn't. That's a good place to start because that's the problem with a lot of people. They think they're something they're not. And uh, they, they think they're okay. And if they do enough good things, I was watching um, a documentary about Jimmy Savile. Dear, dear. And he says, oh, yes. Because he said, I believe in God. And, and when I get there, of course, I've done a lot of things wrong, but I've done all this charitable work. And, and I hope that goes in my favor when I get there. Well, sadly, however much charity work you do, how wonderful it may well be, ain't going to be any good because we realize that we are God's creation, aren't we? The Bible, Jesus said, whose image, whose inscription, whose superscription's on this, this coin? Um, Caesar's. Well, render to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God's what is God. We have the image and the superscription on us. But, as we said when we looked at freedom in Christ, our identity, we are God's creation, yet we are sinners. Children of the devil rebellious and all the things and 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 John knew who he wasn't he wasn't the Messiah I'm not the Messiah but I tell you who I am I'm the one who's going ahead preparing the way for him and the blessing of God he said I must decrease and he must increase and he said the great thing about um, uh, John uh, there was unwavering purpose see when we know who we are there's unwavering purpose See, your purpose, as we say, is to know the Lord and to show him. See, when we understand that and who we are, we won't, be, we won't waver in our purpose. Um, his message was uncompromising. Um, now, our message is uncompromising, isn't it? It's always, Jesus is the only way. That's the uncompromising message. Now, uh, sometimes we're a little bit sharp. I, I'm there. Sometimes we're a bit, we haven't got a lot of grace. Well, of course, very true grace and truth. Jesus came with grace and truth. There were times he was very clear, but even then there was grace laced with it. Now, he, when he came to the religious people who should know better, he, he did get stuck into them. But the average person, the ones who didn't know, he was very gracious, wasn't he? He told them the truth. Oh, he, he couldn't not tell the truth. There was grace there. Um, so, un, uncompromising and, of course, unswerving commitment. Nothing was going to sway him. When there was threats, when there was difficulties with John, nothing would sway him. Why? Because he knew who he was. Who are you, John? I am that which is spoken of in the word. And God has spoken his word over our lives. Who are we? You're an ambassador. We heard that a few months ago. You are the saint. You are an heir. You're a child of God. You are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You are a royal priesthood. Peculiar people. Peculiar, very, we are peculiar, but peculiar there, peculiar means special to him. Special to him. See, that's who we are. That's the, 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 the prophetic word over us. That's God's word over his people. So we know who we are. Uh, Paul said, I'm a, 
chief of sinners, but the grace of God has touched me. So I'm going to work harder than anybody else. Not me, but the grace of God in me. So who are you? I did miss a verse out when we came to doubt and faith. When it's got to be, we've got to be read. It's a great verse. Matthew 11, uh, 22, 26, I think. Right. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says this, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And it does not, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whatever you stand in, and what, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So he's, he's, he's a lot of stuff there, but have faith in God. Believe what he says and use, again, get your heart risen up, speak your words, but also be, watch your heart. Watch out. With unforgiveness, things drift in. He said, if unforgiveness comes in, you're in trouble. Because it'll stunt your, your prayers, spoil your prayers, and stunt your growth. So he's a lot of that. But ultimately, he says, you say to that mountain... Get removed and believe, believe, ask and believe. Bless the Lord, help us, Lord, to rise up in faith. Um, first question, um, asked of Jesus. It's interesting. First questions asked of Jesus. Um, let's read Luke 2. We read this last week, Luke 2, 48, 49. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Uh, and he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know uh, that I must be about my father's business? Yeah. So the question, again, it, it shows where man's heart is. Why have you treated us like this? And I don't know about you, but I've been in the Christian life a long time, and I've said to the Lord, Lord, why has this happened? Why have you treated me like this? Because I'm your man. I'm a child of God. And you see, that, that's, that's, the heart, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of man, isn't it? What's that? She said, I'm a Jenkins. I didn't say that. Well, that's, that's, uh, there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, there's heritage there. Uh, but you know, that's, again, again, remember the questions reveal the heart of, and they reveal the heart of man. Why have you treated me like this? And uh, if we are honest with each other, we've all said it. Lord, why has this happened? Why is this happening in this particular way? Remember, Jesus didn't answer. He said, why are you looking for me? You know I'd be here. You knew what I'd be doing. You knew what business I'm in. And ultimately, as we said the other day when we asked questions, some of those questions only eternity will answer because we'll only be wise enough and there'll only be time enough in eternity to answer those questions. Um, so again, revealing the heart of man. First question they asked of Jesus. What about in Matthew? Uh, first question they asked of Jesus. Um, Matthew three. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us 
to fulfill all righteousness than he suffered in him. Isn't it amazing? Um, uh, more so now than ever before because, again, we don't know who we are. Um, many people uh, will uh, be afraid to be used or will use that, that thing. Why do you come to me? You can't use me. And he, he, John is saying that, again, the heart of man, again, reveals. He didn't, in that instance, say, why are you coming to me? I need to be baptized by you. Yeah, you are coming to me. Why do you come to me? And we can say, and the devil would whisper in our ears, he can't use you, Dave, because <laughs> you, you know what you're like. Oh, if everyone knew what you were like, what you thought, what you did, what you did in private, do you mean? And the devil, and of course, what 1 Corinthians says, remember who the Lord picks and uses. Not many of you were wise, not many of you were wealthy, anybody influential, but he chose the foolish, the, the beggarly things to be used of God. So again, that question comes up. Of course, ultimately, Jesus was fulfilling, beginning his ministry, uh, bringing validity to John's ministry, of course, and uh, John was fulfilling the prophetic word. Uh, he tells us why he did it, of course, to fulfill righteousness, to identify with humankind, and also to set as an example, isn't it? That uh, we are to be baptized. It's not an optional extra. He says, get baptized. Why? Because in that, you're identifying with me. He identifies with us. So those questions, great questions. Why do you come to me? Lord, why do you come to me? And, you, and uh, let's, um, let's, we won't look at this too much, but let's read the last verse. First question um, uh, in Jesus' ministry. First question asked in the ministry years. First question Jesus asked, I should say, in the ministry years. Uh, John 1. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. He came and saw him staying, and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. Again, that's the, the first, um, first question Jesus asked in his ministry is, um, What are you seeking? What are you really looking for? Because uh, many want a, a Jesus that will answer their prayers when they're in difficulty. Um, although, as we know so often, God uses those difficulties to bring people to himself. Um, but that's, again, that's not the, the primary thing. God wants them to know him and to get saved. And that, that issue was just a means to get him into his presence. But what are you seeking? And uh, again, the first question of Jesus, uh, well, where are you staying? Where do you, where do you abide? Where do you stay, Lord? Where do you stay? He said to Zacchaeus, I must stay and abide in your house. Abide in me and I in you. That's where the Lord stays. That's the Lord stays. So we have lots of questions there. Maybe probably too many we covered. But again, we can underline those and just meditate on those. That those questions reveal our man's heart and Jesus' heart and uh, shows us uh, what he's like and shows us what we're like and our, our, our problems that we all get. Jesus knew that. Troubles, anxiety, doubts. Um, <laughs> why is this happening to me? Why, why is always a question, isn't it? Lord, how can you use me? And all those, those great questions that we all face. 
and uh, the Bible tells, gives us the answers and the, um, the antidote. Bless the Lord for that. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.